This is a reminder, you're listening to the delayed broadcast here on Faith FM. If you would like to listen to the live show live and participate in the quiz and the prizes and all the other fun things that happen on Faith FM Breakfast Show, then simply download the Faith FM app available on Apple or Android platforms. And we are up to um, our next clue for our next quiz. Uh, what have you got for us there for our next? We've, we've had uh, one quiz answered already. This is our second quiz of the day. The prize for today is a New King James Bible with Mark Finley study helps in it. Nice black hardcover version. Uh, there are still double prizes available even for the second one. Somebody, uh, Nick, called through earlier and got double prizes on the first one. Um, and so, yeah, this is what we're up to now. Hit us with that next uh, clue there, Gary. Yeah, the um, uh, the question today is, what book am I? And uh, our first clue was a quote, God is just. He will pay back trouble to those who trouble you. That was our first clue, our second clue. This is uh, uh, our second clue, Lyle, and I'm just wondering if you can guess it. Uh, this letter was written to Karma Church that was confused and anxious about the return of the Lord. Ooh, I might take a stab at that one. I'm going to take a stab at that one. And I'm what going to go it? this way. There's a... Am I am I heading the right direction there? You guys? are indeed heading the right direction. <laughs> okay, Very one prize good. available. That King James Bible is available if you can get the right answer. So give us a call right now, 1-800-324-843. Which book of the Bible was written to people who were worried about the return of Christ? Um, you know the answer to that one, then give us a call. 1-800-324-843 is the number, or text us on 491 now, Gary, before we get into our Encounter with God Bible study for the day, uh, I do need to remind our listeners about the Faith FM Australia app. Do you have this app yet? No, it's brand I, new. I don't have it. No, you don't, you're, 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 this, you're helping me. Absolutely. Well, this, it is that new. It is that new. It's only just come out. It's like brand new. Um, you can jump on the App Store and you look up Faith FM Australia. You make sure you punch in Australia. Oh. The, first time, the first time I looked it up, I didn't type in Australia and I got the American one and there was all these American voices and sometimes there are American speakers on Faith FM and I'm listening to it and listening to it and I'm thinking, nah, it just doesn't sound right. Nah, <laughs> much so prefer went, your voice, Lyle. <laughs> <laughs> so I went back and got the Australian version and I was all good then. And, of course, on that app there are so many exciting things that you can do. There are podcasts. You can listen to the breakfast show for the evening show if you want. You can you listen to the breakfast show at dinner time if you and want. And you'll be able to listen to Drive Time. Drive. So mustn't forget Drive yeah, Time, right. Lyle. Drive Time Radio right here with uh, Gary Hodgkin uh, starting uh, in oh, a couple of months' time. A couple of months' time. It's going to be so exciting and you'll hear, you'll hear way we, – we've got lots more to say about that um, as it begins – so you'll be able to hear that. You can hear all of your favourite speakers. I think uh, you know people like John Bradshaw and um, these kind of guys are going to. You can just download their stuff. There is podcasts. There's a place where you can donate. Um, we really, really appreciate all the contributions that uh, are made to this station. It's what keeps this station going. Mm. And often people ask me, "How do I contribute?" That's how you contribute. You can go there. There's a donate button. And uh, if you enjoy Faith FM then please jump on there now and uh, and you can make a contribution right there. Uh, that would be an enormous blessing. Anyway, it is Encounter with God section. 
That means that we are studying the Bible today and this is the 20 million movement, 20 million people all studying the same passage of the Bible at the same time. And today we are still continuing through Nehemiah. And wow, these verses that we're looking at, just wow. Um, I'm not quite sure how to respond to these verses. But um, yeah, actually, Gary, can I get you to grab that one by any chance? Yep, that'd be fantastic. Um, actually, can you use that one? Oh, I can use this one. Yeah, see, I've, this is this is this is what we do here on Faith FM. We take we take our co-host and throw him in. He was just sitting here all comfortable and relaxed, like, yeah, I'm going to use my Bible. It's like, yeah, we're not going to we're not going to let you off that easy. Here's a foreign one to use. Okay, so what we're looking for is Nehemiah chapter 13. We have some interesting verses here to look at. We're probably going to look at uh, you know a few a few more even than the ones that are mentioned here because there is just some there is some juicy stuff here, Gary, that we need to we need some explanations on. What is going on right here? Um, so can you start for us maybe in verse 23, 23 through 25? Okay, and Nehemiah 13 we're reading, verse 23 says this, About the same time I realized that some of the men of Judah had married women from Ashdod, Ammon, and from Moab. Uh, furthermore, the chil- half their children spoke the language of Ashdod or some other people and could not speak the language of Judah at all. So I confronted them and called down curses on them. I beat some of them. I, uh, I pulled out their hair. I made them swear in the name of God that they would not let their children intermarry with pagan people of the land. Now, wow. Gary, I have to ask this question right now. You've been in charge of churches before. You've been in charge of regions of churches before, like as in a whole state. Indeed. Have you, have you ever pulled out anyone's hair? I've been tempted. <laughs> the thought has crossed. Oh, the thought has crossed, crossed my mind. mind. The thought has crossed my mind. <laughs> what? What on earth is going on here? I mean, Nehemiah. Seriously, this guy rocked up in one of our churches today. Um, how would we react to this? This is one of those really interesting Old Testament passages, isn't it, Lyle? You know, it's one of those passages that, you know, if ever someone's going to struggle with the Scriptures, this is one of those passages. Uh-huh, it is. Yeah. 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 Because this is not what you, what you are going to expect to find in church today. And I have to be honest, if somebody came into my church and said, well, I need to bring a Reformation into this church, I'd be like, great, go for it. And then if they said, but in the process I'm going to be doing some hair pulling and some punching, I'd be like, no, you're out the door. Let me call the security in and have you removed from my congregation. Well, it certainly doesn't fit our culture, does it? It doesn't. Not at all. Okay, so what... what there's a, there's a few things here that need to be discussed. I mean, the big... The, the elephant in the room is is how Nehemiah is responding to the people at this particular time. But the other issue is, of course, the things that they are doing wrong. And we need to think about that one first. So maybe we should... Maybe we should just you know, put this on a shelf for a moment. Stay tuned. We will come back to it. We're going to talk about why Nehemiah pulled some hair and, and uh, beat some people up and pronounced some curses. But let's go back and look at the issue of what they were actually doing wrong because even though it's going to be very unlikely you're going to find any hair pulling in your local church, and I pray that it never happens in your local church. I would be just shocked if that ever happened. Um but the sins that are being committed here 
are sins that are relevant to us today. Mm. Um, okay, so let's go back to uh, verse 23 there and let's look at you know, what actually was it that was happening. Okay, well, verse 23 says, About the same time I realized that some of the men of Judah had married women from Ashdod, Ammon, and from Moab. Okay, um, why would there be a problem with that? I mean, Gary, you, you come from a cosmopolitan city, and I'm sure that you've got many people in your congregation who are married to you know, various nationalities from all over the world. Is it immoral to marry someone from a different nationality? No, I don't think there's uh, there's any problem with uh, with inter uh, interracial uh, marriage at all. I think what we're actually dealing with here is a is a cultural um, issue whereby uh, these these individuals brought with them uh, from their original culture uh, various uh, practices which uh, certainly uh, were a, were a major issue for the for the people in um, uh, for the people in Israel. I'm super glad to hear you say that because I have an international marriage. My wife comes from overseas. <laughs> so so if there was if the Bible was speaking about international marriages and it's like, oh, you can't be married to this person, that would be a bit of a worry for me. Um okay, so the the issue is not race. No, no, no. I don't think the issue here is has got anything to do with race. There is something happening behind the scenes. And and this is one of the things in in studying the scriptures, sometimes we have to ask the question what is actually happening behind exactly. the scenes exactly. here? And why is the scripture actually saying what it is actually saying? Yeah, and this is one of the things that, you know, when you look throughout the Bible and you find that in the Bible, you know, there will be a passage like this and it will look like uh, race is the issue but then when you compare it with other passages and other marriages that God condoned for instance Moses was married to an Ethiopian woman the Bible says um, and so that was an interracial marriage um, it was even an intercultural marriage in some respects but it wasn't an interfaith marriage that was and I think that's a key point point we're going to come back to and there's many other examples that we could look at in the Bible you know Joseph for instance married to an Egyptian woman and uh, that we will look at in a moment. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Okay, so if we look at the example of Moses, uh, he's married to Zipporah. The Bible says that she's an Ethiopian from, I think it was Moab. Moab, yep. Um, so she would have been of a different race, a different culture, a different colour. All of that put together, and yet we know that God blessed that relationship, and we know that God used Zipporah to pull Moses into line, uh, mm. particularly on one occasion when he was way out of line. And it's even interesting, if you look at the genealogy of Christ in Matthew, you've actually got in the genealogy of Christ himself, you've actually got uh, non-Israelite ladies are yes. mentioned. Yes, you've got uh, Ruth, who was a Moabite, you've got... Um, You've got Rahab, who was a Canaanite. You know, that whole mix right there is a very interesting one because you look, at, you look at you look at Boaz and and why would he be you know open to a, an interracial marriage mm. in in that circumstance? Well, yeah. Boaz was half Canaanite, exactly, exactly. So he was a, probably a little bit less prejudiced than some of the others um, of his time. But this is definitely something that God discourages, and we find it very very clearly here. Where not only does God discourage it, God outright bans these uh, interracial marriages. So there must be something else going on. It can't be just an issue of race because we've got God blessing inter interracial marriages. There is more going on behind the scenes than what we're seeing right here. 
So let's think about Boaz. Boaz marries a a uh, Moabite girl. Was she a different faith? Was she a different religion when he married her? Hadn't she come to accept the the God of Israel? Absolutely. I think this your is your God will be, be my, my God. God. That was the that was probably the most powerful expression of faith that she could give. All right. What about Moses, who marries uh, this Ethiopian girl in Moab called Zipporah? Uh, what was her faith, and what was her father's job? He was a priest. Bible says he was a priest of God, the priest of Midian. Yeah. And so, as the priest of priest of God, then you know this is not an inter. Faith marriage, they are both of the same faith. And I think that we forget sometimes, you know, you've got you've got people like Jethro and you've got people like Melchizedek and you've got people like Balaam. Balaam, of course, you know, becomes corrupt. But these people are true followers of God. Mm, mm, we we kind of mm. look back at the year and go, oh, the only followers of God that there were were the, you know, Abraham and his descendants. No, that's not the case. There were many followers of God in many parts of the world. And we can see the history of that, you know, how it's carried down through some of these cultures, you know, even to our day. Um and so this was not, you know, they weren't going out and marrying somebody who was of a different religion. Mm. And I think this is the key when you look at this particular passage here. Let me just uh, look at it in, uh, in my translation. Where was it? Verse 23. Uh, they'd married wives of Ashdod and Ammon and Moab. The issue here is not so much the race of these people as it was their religion. Mm. We also have to remember that in those days, God's church was a nation. Mm -hmm. And so in effect, what God is saying is, don't marry outside of your church. Don't marry outside of your faith. God is really putting some boundaries on, on, on marriage in a in a very significant way, Lyle, why do you think God is putting what appears to me to be a boundary uh, as to who I can marry? Why is God doing that? Well, I think Gary, both you and I, having spent some years in ministry, can testify that if you want to create a massive amount of heartache for a lifetime, a really mm. successful way to do that is to marry somebody of a different faith or of no faith. Mm. And Gary, you grew up in that kind of a home. Well, what God is really saying, isn't he, isn't he, Lyle, is that I want you to marry someone who has a similar worldview to what you have. To me, this is a very beautiful picture we've got of God here, where what he is attempting to do is to say, I care for you so much that I actually want you to have a worldview that is similar to the person that you marry. You don't have to agree in all, all, all things. None of us do. No. But I want you to be able to, when you're bringing up your children to have a similar worldview. And what we've got here, I think, in the book of Nehemiah within naming these other nations is um, we have got individuals who have married Israelites, but the, both the Israelites and the people of these other nations have a totally separate worldview. And it just simply doesn't work. Yeah, and I've told this story before, but it's a, it was a circumstance that happened to a friend of mine Um you know, two people had fallen in love. They got on great together. Uh, you know, one was uh, evangelical Protestant, the other was Roman Catholic. Mm. And they're like, well, we're both Christians. We both love the Lord. Um, and they get married. And you would think, in you know, and this is and this is a better circumstance than many that I've seen. 
Um, and then, of course, you know, the time comes when, you know, the children come along and um, the Roman Catholic father is like, oh, I need to take my children along to confirmation. They need mm-hmm. to go to their first, they need to participate in their first mass. They need to, um, they need to go to confession. And for him as a Roman Catholic, that was salvational for mm. his children. Mm. You know, that was something that was just absolutely critical for their relationship with God. Yeah. For the mother, it was salvational to her that they not go to confession, mm. that they only confess to Jesus Christ. Mm. And so, of course, she's like, well, you have to stop my husband because, you know, we can't allow him to do this and I need your help to stop my husband from doing this to my children. Mm. And, you know, we're like, we're sorry. You married this person. They are your children. He has a God-given right to raise them according to the dictates of his conscience. Mm-hmm. And just imagine the heartache that that creates in that home. And within the context of Nehemiah here, some of the sometimes people don't realize that the gods of of the nations that surrounded Israel were often uh, worshipped with child sacrifice. And and, okay. and and this is yes. where I, I start to look at this passage and I say, hey, we've got nations that surround Israel that believe and accept and follow the practice of child sacrifice. Of course, the God of heaven absolutely forbade any form of, of child sacrifice. Amen. I, I, I wonder why it is we've got in this passage that Nehemiah is, in fact, so upset. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's really because now you're starting to give some context. Yes, exactly, exactly. Nehemiah pulling hair out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, if you've got somebody in your congregation that is promoting child sacrifice or is participating in something like that, I think that you are fully justified to do some hair pulling. Well, I'd be doing. I'd be pulling my hair too. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. (laughs) And 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 so you know, we look at the issue of okay, if you want to make your home your life a disaster, marry somebody with a different worldview, particularly from a religious perspective. There is nothing more powerful in shaping your worldview than your religion, Mm. and you will bring a world of heartache and pain when you marry somebody who is of a different religion or of no religion. Mm, mm. That's where I think that the Christian scriptures are so powerful. And what they do is that they actually present some boundaries. And they say, I want you to have the very best of marriage. I want you to have everything that marriage is designed to be. But in order for marriage to be everything that it's designed to be, we need you to function within certain boundaries. And I suggest to you it's within the Christian scriptures that what you actually have are those those boundaries being presented very powerfully. I'm preaching. Sorry about this. I've got to stop preaching. No, no, no. This is good. This is good. This is good. Because, I mean, isn't this how we raise our children? Don't we create boundaries for our children? Yes, exactly. Exactly. Why do we create boundaries for our children? Because we love them, right? And if we, you know, if you don't love your children, then you won't worry about it. You're like, oh, they can do whatever they want. You can create no boundaries at all. But for parents who love their children, they create boundaries. Yeah. Yeah. And this is the whole issue right here, is that God is acting out of love. Mm. He's saying, don't do this. And the principle is still exactly the same today. Mm. You know, if you're in a courtship relationship right now where you're not married with somebody who is of a different faith or of no faith, then the blessing that we have here in Australia, and I've said this before, is that we have this device called the phone. Mm. And you can pick it up kind of like 
right now and call that person and break off that relationship. Mm. And I'd encourage you to do so. Mm. I, I have seen so much heartache from people who have gone against what God has said. Yeah. It's just so, it's agonizingly painful. And, and one of the things that I find, particularly for my years in pastoral ministry, is when you have to sit not just with the family, but also with the children of that family, because it's the children of that family who become, the collateral damage. who become the collateral damage to everything that's occurring. When you've got mum and dad, and, and uh, Lyle, I, I come from a family where, um, you know, Australia's most dysfunctional family, where where argument and fighting was a was a constant and regular issue. I think the scriptures are so powerful. Absolutely, God loves us so much. This is the uh, Sapphire Singers. They're going to bring wood to us. We will stand. You're listening to Faith FM. Stand in the midst of a crowd Feel your Holy Spirit And the power to serve Here we stand to honor And to glorify your name Feel the power to exalt you
You're listening to the Sapphire Singers. We will stand here on Faith FM. We have come to the third part of our Encounter with God section. 20 million movement, 20 million people all studying the same passage of the Bible at the same time. But before we get back into it and look at this really important question of why did Nehemiah tear out people's hair, pull out their beards, beat them up and pronounce curses upon them? Um, we have to have another clue for our quiz. This is our second quiz of the day. Up for grabs is a new King James hardcover black Bible. Very, very nice edition with Bible study helps inside of it. So uh, what have we got for our next one there, Gary? Yeah, Lyle, uh, just uh, it's what book am I in the Bible? We, uh, we've we already looked at the, our first uh, uh, our first. Um, uh, point uh, God is just he will pay back trouble to those who trouble you uh, our second uh, clue uh, this uh, this letter was written to a calm church that was confused and anxious about the return of the Lord and this uh, new clue uh, we gave you this rule if a man will not work neither should he eat oh I like that verse I like it. <laughs> I like it I find that there's a um, there's a dignity to labor. And there is a satisfaction that a person receives when they have accomplished something for the day um, that is that keeps our men- mental health in a positive place. It's a bit of a radical statement, though. If a man will not work, neither should he eat. I mean, where is his understanding of uh, of community help, of uh, of social justice? Uh, this is a this is a huge statement that's actually made by the Apostle Paul. Oh, hang on, I've made. I've given a clue. Extra clues. <laughs> it is. I think something that's important here is that it doesn't say if a man cannot work. Hmm. It doesn't say that. Um, And so you're going to have some people who cannot work, and the Bible is very clear about those who cannot work, you know, the the beggars and the lame and the crippled and, you know, the widows and so forth, the single mothers, uh, that they do need to be provided for. Yeah. But basically what Paul is saying is if you have sound mind and sound body, Get out and do in something. other words, once again, the scriptures are actually putting boundaries in place for how society does actually function. And I yes. think that this is so powerful when we understand that boundaries are actually good for the benefit of society and also the family. Well, look what happens to a person who is of sound mind and sound health who does not work. What happens to their mental health? Mm, it, it goes, goes down the tube. Every time. Yep. So God loves us. That's why he says, can't work. Oh, sorry, sorry, if you won't work, you shouldn't eat. You shouldn't eat. It's a pretty good motivation to uh, get out and do some work. <laughs> when you, uh, when there's uh, food's one of those kind of things that as humans, we kind of like to have three times a day. Um, some of us even more often than that, but uh, probably not such a great idea. Anyway, let's go to back to our passage. We're going to come to... Okay, so I did promise we we're going to come back to this. I contended with them. I read it, read it to you from the KJV cursed them and smote certain of them and plucked off their hair and made them swear by God, saying, You will not give your daughters unto their sons, nor take their daughters unto your sons for for or for yourselves. Mm. That's uh, some strong language. And we started to get into uh, what it actually was that was going on. Because when you read that, you know, from a surface perspective, you're like, oh, this guy's terrible. I don't want him to have any part of our church. Um, how could you have somebody so confrontational? You know, we're not going to have people beating up other people within our church. But we don't realize this isn't just you know somebody who's going from being say a um, you know 
a member of the Uniting Church to a member of Hillsong. Not at all. That's not mm. what we're dealing with right here. This is going from you know one version of Christianity to another. This is somebody who's going from being a worshipper of God, um, who serves a God of unimaginable love and care, and uniting themselves with somebody who practices child sacrifice. Mm. Mm. And when we talk about child sacrifice, it's one of those you know phrases that we just toss out there without actually taking into account the full horror mm. of what child sacrifice involved. Yeah, yeah. You know, you look at some of the cultures in recent history that have practiced child sacrifice. Mm. And it's very popular these days to give, say, for instance, missionaries who went to the South Pacific a hard time. Mm. Oh, they destroyed the culture and they did this and they did that and they did the other and all of these people with their wonderful culture, their wonderful culture is gone and lost and it's over. You know, and these is, these are these are cultures where people would take their children and if it rained too much or if it didn't rain enough, throw their children off a cliff into the river to try and get more or less rain. Mm. And these were missionaries who went in there and brought those practices to a stop. Mm. You know, do yeah. we really want to preserve those kind of cultures? Do we want to have that kind of culture in our mm. world? And this is something. This is the benefit of understanding history. So yes. much there is so much uh, in our in a contemporary educational scene whereby uh, history is actually negated, uh, whereas an understanding of history does actually help you to understand why uh, some of the most significant uh, issues in world events did actually occur and how we can uh, not replicate the mistakes of the past. And when we think about you know, and when we think about the methods that were being used back then, you know, where they get the big brass idol and light a fire inside of it until it just glows, mm. and then take a living child and place it in the arms of that glowing red hot idol. Mm. Yeah, it's horrific when you understand yeah. what's actually taking yeah. place. There is, you know, if that kind of practice was being brought into your local church, mm. would you object if your pastor, you know, pulled out some people's hairs and beat some people up, and I yeah. think that we would be fully justified in using uh, significant force mm. to bring those kinds of practices to an end. Because the reality is we live in you know, Western society where we don't have those practices, but we have a force. It's called the police force, thankfully, um, and their job is to stop those kinds of things happening by force, if necessary. And this is what Nehemiah is doing. He is acting as the local police. And, and this is where people like Richard Dawkins, when they criticise the God of the Old Testament, uh, actually fail to understand the the real background yeah. uh, to so many of these events. There is a God who acts. There is a God who has put boundaries in place, but it's within a particular culture that he is, he is, that he is responding to. Absolutely. I think that's a really good question right there because if you take Dawkins' view on this, oh, God is being terrible here because um, people are being uh, restrained by force, mm. then what you've got is Dawkins actually supporting and saying, okay, you know, child sacrifice was a better idea. And, and that's the implication. That's exactly the implication. And that's what a lot of people, t by taking Dawkins at face value, uh, actually uh, don't realise they, they are actually supporting. If you don't know the Bible and if you don't know history. Exactly. And 
we miss out so much in today's society because everyone's like, oh, history is just all about dates. No, history is not about dates. History is learning about people and culture and things that took place and learning lessons from it because history repeats itself. It does. It, it is does. cyclical. Yes. Lyle, Lyle, you bring out such an important point there. I can't emphasize this enough. I, I appreciate history. Archaeology is a way of actually proving history there as well. I just look at this and I say, hey, uh, thank God that I have an understanding of history. Yeah. Okay, so when we look at the big picture right here and we understand what it was that Nehemiah was bringing to an end, we can see the actions of a person motivated by love and care for his people Mm. and filled with the Spirit of God to actually act in a way with force Mm. to bring terrible, horrific atrocities to an end. Mm. And so, yeah, absolutely. We, we, We serve a God of incredible love. And God, as a, as a God of love, acts in very, very forceful ways at times when force is needed. This is Cardiphony Music. Oh, when shall I see Jesus? Love 
isn't enough for you, nothing's going to be enough for you. Because it's meant to be real. And real life stories have baggage. We know that Peter's a loose cannon. It's all about context. And he chose different personalities to express that because his personality is infinite. If it's a love song written to us, when we're at our lowest points, we've got back up. Like a lot of the rational arguments for the existence of God, they tend to work better after you believe. Hi, this is Luke from oztabletalk.com.au. Please join myself and some of my closest friends as we explore our faith through conversation, Bible study, interviews, and more. You can find us online at oztabletalk.com.au. That's oz as in Australia, A-U-S, tabletalk.com.au. Looking forward to seeing you there. Bye. I'm so glad that's recorded because I want to write that down. Yeah. <laughs> Someone called it a care package there. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Go and tell it on that mountain. 
over the hills and everywhere hey go tell it on that mountain Jesus Christ is born go tell it on that mountain over the hills and everywhere I say go tell it on that mountain that Jesus Christ was Shepherds kept there watching over silent flocks by night. Behold, throughout the heavens, there shone a holy light. Go tell it on that mountain, over the hills and everywhere. I said, Go tell it on that mountain that Jesus Christ is born. Back guys, that was Randy Travis with Go Tell It on the Mountain. You're listening to Faith FM. It is time for question of the day. But before we go to question of the day, we're going to have another clue for our quiz. Don't forget the prize is a new King James Bible hardcover with Mark Finley helps. Okay, Lyle, I think you've already guessed the uh, the answer to this question, but we do have one more clue for our uh, our listeners. In this epistle, Paul told he, told people not to be alarmed by some prophecy, report or letter saying the day of the Lord had already come. There you go. If you know the answer, then give us a call 1-800-324-843 or text us on 0491-064-669. 
and that prize will be coming your direction. Okay, question of the day. A listener has sent in a question of the day. This came through earlier during the first quiz that we had. And uh, what have you got for us there, Gary? Yeah, look, a really interesting question has come uh, come through. It comes from the uh, uh, the story of Daniel chapter two. And of course, uh, listeners may be aware that uh, Daniel chapter two concerns a great big uh, big image. It's divided into uh, four different parts, and the uh, the last uh, part is finally smashed by a, a mighty rock that is cut out without uh, without hands. And and uh, uh, verse 44, Daniel is, of course, interpreting the, uh, uh, the vision. He says this, During the reigns of those kings, um, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed or conquered. It will crush all those kingdoms into nothingness, and it will stand forever. And our, our questioner asks Lyle, uh, the events that happen uh, in the days of these kings, um, during the reigns of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom. What is this kingdom that uh, the God of heaven is going? Yeah, and to I think set up? I think our questioner particularly wanted to uh, was wanted to wanted to know, you know, did this has this already taken place? Mm. Because you know the, the, those kings, those kings, you know, Babylon, Medo Persia, Greece, Rome, in the days of those kings. Um, does that mean that all of this came to an end in the first century? Is this a reference to, you know, obviously the coming of the rock, the rock in the Bible is a symbol of Christ. Is this mm. a reference to the first coming of Christ? Um, you know, and, and of course, um, you know, I, I take the view that, no, this is the second coming of Christ all the way down at the end of time. So was this fulfilled in the first century or does it come all the way down to the end of time? So let's look at what the Bible says. Look at Let's look at the evidence that we have here. First of all, as Gary mentioned, four metals symbolizing four kingdoms uh, from history and from chapter 8. We know that these, these are Babylon, um, Medo-Persia or the Persian Empire, uh, Greece, and then Rome. And then the Bible says that the feet of the image made of a mixture of iron and clay uh, where you saw the feet and toes, part of potter's clay and part of iron, the kingdom will be divided. There will be in it of the strength of the iron, um, for as much as you saw iron mixed with miry clay. So the first point we're going to note here is that the Bible says the Roman Empire will be divided. Mm. Um, we know that happened from history. We know that that took place by around the year 476 AD. Then it goes on, as the toes of the feet were part of iron, and part of clay, so the kingdom will be partly strong and partly broken. So the first thing we're going to find is that the kingdom will be uh, divided and then it will be partly strong and partly weak. Mm. If you look at history, you find that's exactly what took place, once again, as we mentioned, around 476 AD. Mm. Now, this is many, many hundreds of years after the first coming of Christ. Mm. That these, when Jesus came, there was only one king. Mm. That was the emperor. Um, and the Bible says in the days of these kings, that's plural. Mm. So when, when the, the time period that the prophecy is talking about is after the Roman Empire has uh, ceased to be ruled by one emperor and has now been divided, it has been replaced by... Uh, some weak nations, some strong nations that are ruled over by a multitude of different kings. Now, of course, in modern language, the you know, king is just a, a reference to a political leader. Mm. So, multi, you know, look at Western Europe today. You look at the uh, the old Roman Empire, and you find that 
it is ruled over by a multitude of different political leaders. The other point that we need to bring out is that when the rock comes, the Bible says that it will consume those kingdoms, it will break those kingdoms, mm. and it will replace those kingdoms, and that rock is coming to this earth. Mm. We have when Jesus first coming, he did not consume, break, and then replace all of those kingdoms here mm. on this earth. So this is taking us forward to a time in the future when Jesus comes back, um, Jesus brings an end to the, uh, the the political systems that are here on this earth, and he consumes them, he breaks them, and he replaces it with a world his worldwide kingdom. Mm. So the coming of the rock is the second coming of Jesus that is in the future. It is not the first coming of Jesus uh, that that took place when he came to the earth. Um, you know, um, back in the first century. Anyway, that is our question of the day. Very, very good question coming in today. If you want more information about that, then give us a call, 1-800-324-843. Or if you'd like to send in your question, you can also text us on 0419-064-669. In the ancient land Chaldea, in the mind of a troubled king, came a dream of power and meaning, Yet the dreamer forgot everything But another who dreams of our future Will never forget what he sees So let's believe this dreamer, please The forgetter was Nebuchadnezzar Who called his magicians in But they couldn't see much there and they trembled with fear and chagrin. Oh, children, remember the spirit who knows every dream we've dreamed, who tells us we are highly esteemed. The king dreams, he sees the future, our deliverance. Dream in the hours of night And shed in the mind of 
Welcome back, everybody. That was the Lesser Light Collective with The King Dreams. That's actually the story of Daniel 2 right there. It in is. music. A powerful story. Uh, it's one of the best prophecies in the whole Bible. Um, and so, yeah, if you'd like to uh, have more information about that. In fact, if you'd like to study more in depth into the prophecies of Daniel, then give us a call right here, 1-800-324-843. And you can do my Bible study course, which is called The Prophetic Code. Uh, we can set that up for you through the Discovery Center. And there's about 21 different uh, Bible studies there, all on Bible prophecy. And Gary, I understand uh, Drive Show next year, you're going to be looking at Bible prophecy? Oh, uh, yeah. My, my real interest is current world, uh, world trends, and uh, they're linking into Bible prophecy. I, I, I love those, uh, those twin areas, putting them together, uh, because a lot of people don't actually realize that the, uh, a great deal of what's happening in the world, is, uh, the Bible has actually got something to say. Can't wait for that one to uh, hit the air. Before we uh, finish up, of course, we do have our free giveaway for the day. This one is called The Gospel Flies by Night by Gerhard Paderatz, forward by Clifford Goldstein. And uh, it's a story of two people who are um, on an airline together and discussing major, major issues affecting the human race. So if you'd like your, uh, and, and affecting us as individuals, if you'd, if you'd like your copy of The Gospel Flies by Night, give us a call 1-800-324-843. Um, or text us on 0491064669. And don't forget, we enjoy your company every morning. Do join us for The Breakfast Show each day. Uh, of course, don't forget to talk faith, live faith, act faith, and you will grow strong in Jesus Christ. <laughs>